Matthew chapter 5. We're on the fifth beatitude uh, for the second week in a row. And it's because I think, um, receive, listen to me real carefully as you're turning. Receiving God's mercy and his forgiveness and then showing God's mercy and his forgiveness is serious business. I think it's probably more serious than we realize. And, um, and it's important that we get this. I want us to really learn. That's why I'm willing to take another week on this particular subject. You know, C.S. Lewis says, C.S. Lewis says, everyone thinks that forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. <laughs> and then it gets a little sticky. And, uh, and I think you guys would all agree with that. And so go ahead and turn there. Matthew 5, verse 8. I'm going to read it. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 7. I'm going to read it again. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Last week, we talked about the merciful, those who show mercy. Um, Obviously, that begins with God. God shows mercy. We looked at Exodus 25. God is enthroned upon mercy, the mercy seat. Uh, He reigns and rules this galaxy from a throne of mercy. His first inclination towards all that he has made is Mercy. We talked about Ephesians 2, how God is rich in mercy. Therefore, um, we are able to receive it. It never runs out. It's forever and it's free. And then we talked about because of that, we have got to be people that show mercy. Mercy is a gift that we are able to give through Christ Jesus to others. And, and I brought up Romans 12, 1, and most of us are familiar with this. In view of God's mercy, offer yourself up as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing, because this is a reasonable act of worship. Now, as it relates to um, hurts and offenses and things done to us that hurt us, in view of God's mercies, sacrifice your wrath. In view of God's mercy, be willing to say, I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to pronounce judgment upon you. I'm not going to pour out my my wrath upon you. We talked about those things, and uh, we talked about how showing mercy gives people the opportunity to meet with God. And I shared briefly a scripture that I want to look at again to launch uh, today's message, today's teaching. But before I give you that, I want, I want to give you the title of the message. Last week, we talked about blessed are the merciful. We talked about the merciful. This week, I want to talk about the mercy fool. Okay? The mercy fool. And the scripture that we looked at last week was um, Proverbs eleven seventeen, And I want you to turn there. I want you to literally turn there and see it. It's probably on the screen, but I want you to turn there. Uh, Proverbs 11, verse 17. I have it marked with a toothpick in my Bible. What you got it marked with? Okay. Sorry. That's all I have. Here's what it says. Proverbs eleven seventeen. The merciful man does himself good, but the cruel man does himself harm. The merciful man does himself good, but the cruel man does himself harm. Now, remember we talked about in Scripture, there's all kinds of words that you can use to substitute mercy. Uh, you, can, you know, love is oftentimes, you know, um, the Lord is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. Some of your versions say rich in mercy. There's words that are exchangeable there. Love, uh, kindness, loving kindness, goodness, good. There's a lot of words that we can we can insert mercy instead of that word because it has that, that meaning as well. And this is one of them. So you could read that. The merciful man does himself good or does himself mercy. You could read it like this. The merciful man brings to himself mercy. But look what it says. The cruel man does himself or brings to himself harm. 
don't know if you've ever read that or thought about that, but the merciful, uh, the merciful man brings himself mercy. The cruel man brings to himself harm. Now that word harm, it literally means trouble. It means to be disturbed. It actually means to bring taboo. Okay, so think about that word taboo. When something's taboo, what does that mean? Oh, you don't talk about it. Oh, it's hands off. Oh, you don't go there. And taboo means to be restricted. Okay, it means to be outed. So get these words in here because this is what it's saying. The merciful man brings mercy upon himself, but the cruel man brings upon himself trouble. Taboo brings himself restriction, is outed. Listen, those who do show mercy will receive mercy, but those who do not show mercy and forgiveness are considered cruel. The very opposite of God's character, the very opposite of His nature, the very opposite of His heart, and they put themselves in harm's way. They bring trouble upon themselves. They make their own life taboo. They bring the taboo upon themselves. They're restricted from God's blessing. Uh, They become disturbed. Now listen, I want to ask you this. Who in their right mind wants that for their life? Who in their right mind says, I would love if I could do one thing in life? You know, instead of parasailing or jumping off a mountain or bungee, whatever. The one thing I would want to do is I would want to make my life taboo. Nobody. It's a ridiculous thought to have trouble be brought upon yourself. But there's a scripture here that indicates that is what happens. And so it says the cruel man brings this Upon himself. And so I'm going to relabel cruel man this morning, a mercy fool. Okay? The cruel man, just insert there, you can even write it there. The mercy fool, those who act foolish when it comes to mercy. You know, in Matthew 6, it's the only part of the Lord's Prayer, the only part of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus actually gives a commentary on, at least immediately, the immediate commentary, right after he says the Lord's Prayer. The only part that he gives a commentary on is when he said, And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And then he goes on, he follows up on that part of the prayer and says in verse 14 and 15, If we forgive others, our Father will forgive us. But if we do not forgive, he will not forgive us. Of all the verses in the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Of all our kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. All those prayers, this is the one that he chooses to follow up with a short little commentary. You ever thought about that? It's because he's serious about this thing. The teaching is the same thing in Mark 11. Same truth. Whenever you stand, he says, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, he will not forgive you your transgressions. Now last week I mentioned real briefly, I told real quickly the story over in Matthew 18. I want you to go ahead and turn there. I want to look at it again and show you something that I learned this week. Matthew 18, and we're going to start reading. Matthew 18, it's just down the road from Matthew 5. Now this section here is labeled forgiveness, which makes sense. But look how it opens. Then Peter came and said to him, remember Peter's one of those guys that was a little loopy, he was a little goofy, but he thought he was all that in a bag of chips, you know. He thought he was super spiritual, always kind of stepping... And inserting his foot in his own mouth. Here he says, it says, He came to the Lord and said, Lord, how often shall my brothers sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. So he says, How many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? 
When my brother does something to offend me, hurt me, whatever, how many times should I forgive him? Seven times? Now, something you may not realize, in that culture, it was socially acceptable to, to forgive someone like twice. You know, someone does something against you. Oh, you offended me. You hurt me. You made me mad. I'll forgive you. And if they do it again, you know what? By the social standards here, I will forgive you one more time. But beyond that, it would be socially acceptable for them to say, you know what? Two times, I'm, I'm out. You know, third time's a striker or whatever. And not forgive anymore. They, they socially kind of had that right. It was acceptable. Yeah, it's too bad. They're, they're kind of on outs with each other. Why? Well, it was, I mean, three times, was, you know. That's the way it was. And so when Peter says, um, you know, to, to forgive someone three times would have been generous. And Peter says, seven times? Uh, you know, God, if I was to do it seven times, if I was to do generous plus generous plus one, <laughs> you know what I mean? Three plus three plus one. And seven is the number of completion. He was just being all spiritual. If I forgive seven times, is that good? And Jesus is like, dude, not seven times. I'm telling you, 70 times seven. And you do the math and it's like four million something, I don't know, 490, whatever the math is. The point is, <laughs> hey, I'm not a math teacher, that's Keturah. I'm a, I, whatever. But he says 70 times 7. Basically what he is saying is he, is, he, is putting there, he was putting out there before his disciples the desire that the Father has for us to forgive an, in, uh, an infinite amount of forgiveness. Not one, not two, not even a generous three, not even a pious seven, but a spiritual infinite amount. Of forgiveness. And he was so emphatic that his disciples get this that he goes on to tell a story to illustrate it. In verse 23 For this reason, in other words, so that you really get this, let me tell you a story. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to set the accounts, who wished to set, uh, settle the accounts of his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owned, uh, owed him 10,000 talents was brought in. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and kids and all that he had and repayment to be made. Now listen, 10,000 talents. Just, just to set the record here, this is a ridiculous amount. There is no way that 10,000 talents would have ever been able to be repaid. This was a debt that could not be repaid. You want to get a little geeky on it. 10,000 talents in that uh, that currency back then would have been roughly the same as $7.5 billion. So put that in perspective, the debt that this guy owed. If, let's say he made fifty grand a year. It would take him 150,000 years to repay this debt. We're talking about a debt that could not be paid. Why is this important to know? Because Jesus is describing a debt. There's no way. He opens this up, the story up, by mentioning a debt that it was impossible for this man to be repaid. And ultimately, it's a picture of our sin and our need of forgiveness. And you've got to keep that in mind. Jesus has always got him as the way, the truth, and life. The only way to the Father in mind. So he's teaching that. He's sharing that. The debt could not be forgiven. Look at verse 26. 
So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me. Some of your versions may say, Give me a little time, and I will repay you everything. Listen, the man fell down, and what did he do? He cried out for... He cried out for... Can I say something this morning? There is nothing wrong with crying out to the Lord for mercy. Sometimes we think that's selfish. I should never even ask for such a thing. Are you kidding? It's okay to ask for mercy. If there's one prayer that I've increased in my life over the last couple of years, especially this last year, is, Lord, be merciful to me. Because I am a putz. <laughs> Lord, be merciful to my wife. Be merciful to my kids. There's a lot of things we don't get. There's a lot of things we don't do right. God, be merciful to me. It was a consistent prayer of King David in the Psalms. Psalm 28, too. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help. As I lift up my hands towards your most holy place. There's that most holy place, the place where his glory dwells, the place where he's calling up to. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Lord, give me mercy that I may make it there. Psalm 143, verse 1. O Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. It's okay to ask for mercy. Make that your prayer. It's okay. Look what it says in verse 27. It says, And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released and forgave him the debt. Now listen, he, he had compassion. Some of your versions say pity. Raise your hand if your version says pity. Some of your version says that, that the, the Lord, the master, had pity on him and released him. Everybody say released. released. And then it says that he forgave him. Everybody say forgave. forgave. So he released and forgave his debt. Listen, it's one thing to have pity on somebody that's pitiful. <laughs> you know, oh man, you owe me some money. I'm real sorry that you can't pay it. And it's pretty disgusting how you're, you're on your face and, and crying and, and begging me here. I have pity on you, but dude, I need my money. It's one thing to have pity that way. But it's another thing to act upon that pity. Well, that's, that's what mercy is. When we act, mer- uh, pity in action is mercy. Okay, remember that. Remember that because we will oftentimes operate in pity but not do anything about it. But pity, when put, placed in action, equals mercy. And that's what's happening here. He released and forgave him. He had pity and he acted upon it, which turned it into mercy. And it's because the owner knew that the, there was no way this guy was ever going to pay 150,000 years worth of debt. He had pity on him and said, you know what? I forgive you of that. I have mercy on you. Psalm 6, verse 9. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. Based upon what we learned last week, even when we don't deserve it, He has heard my cry for mercy. Psalm 31, 22. In a panic, I cried out, I'm cut off from the Lord, but you heard my cry for mercy and you answered my call for help. Why? It's like we learned last week. You need to go back and listen to the podcast. God wants to meet us with mercy. He is seated upon mercy. His first inclination towards us is mercy. That's what he wants to meet us with. Let's keep reading. But that slave, after receiving such mercy, I inserted that part, 
went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. Let me, let me just say that is like nothing compared to what his debt was just paid, repaid, uh, forgiven. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe me. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me. Give me time, and I will repay you. Does that cry sound familiar? It's what he had just, just cried. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what he owed. So the slave goes out, the one that was forgiven much, the one that was shown an exuberant amount of mercy, goes uh, goes out and acts cruelly. He became a mercy fool and would not forgive this guy his debt. Someone that was indebted to him, he wouldn't show, extend that mercy. Pity didn't, well, pity wasn't even there from what I'm reading. I don't know about you. And there's a couple, I was thinking about this. Maybe there's a couple of reasons for that. I think maybe if nothing, he, God could have just not been grateful for the mercy that was shown. He was just shown that great amount of mercy. And it seems like one of the reasons could be that he was ungrateful. Yeah, oh, cool, cool. I got off. Yeah, sweet. And just went on about his business and doing what he wants. I read a quote, a quote recently. Says, says, an ungrateful man is like a hog under a tree eating acorns. But never... I didn't say the quote. I just read the quote. An ungrateful man is like a hog under a tree eating acorns, but never looking up to see where they come from. That's what's going on here. I just want more. I just want more. I just want more. An ungrateful heart is always looking for his reward. An ungrateful heart is always looking for whatever's next for him. So maybe that's one reason he didn't show mercy he was acting like a mercy fool. But maybe another reason is because he just didn't understand that the owner's mercy was a free gift. Think about it. He just got forgiven all that debt. And the next thing he knows is he's shaking somebody. Give me my money, man. I need my money. Give me my money. I got to go pay this guy off. 150,000 years worth of debt. I got to give me my money. He was intense. Could it be that he just didn't understand that he was just forgiven of that debt? Dude, there ain't nothing to repay. There's nothing to repay here. You're scrambling, you're scrambling here to pay this guy back. There's nothing to be paid back. We talked about that last week, Ephesians 2. His mercies are, are rich. He's rich in mercy. He has plenty. He would not have forgiven you that debt if he didn't think he could forgive you. That debt, there's nothing to be repaid. I think we do the same thing. God extends his mercy, and instead of receiving it, we scramble to pay him back for it. Then we don't understand his mercy So maybe the guy's scrambling around, but he doesn't have to because God's, like we learned last week, God's mercy is free and it's forever. Can I ask you a question? If if God is satisfied with his motive and method of forgiveness, why are we not? Think about that. If God is okay with his motive, and what is his motive? His motive is love, mercy. He's motivated by love and mercy. Scripture, it's all over Scripture. And what was his method? Somebody tell me his method. The blood of Jesus. If God is okay with his motive for extending mercy and his method 
of providing and sealing that mercy, why are we not okay with it? Why would we not be okay with it? Listen, when we're not satisfied with God's motive and method, when we're not satisfied with God's love and his mercy that he extends towards us, when we're not satisfied with the bloodshed of Jesus, the work of the cross, it makes God angry. No, it doesn't. Let's keep reading. So when his fellow slaves saw what happened, they were grieved deeply and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. You cried out for mercy and I gave it. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? Look what it says. And his Lord moved with anger. I didn't write it. I'm just reading it. Jesus is saying it because he's trying to teach them something about forgiveness, mercy. And his Lord moved with anger. And I'll just say this real quick. You can write it down and we'll keep going because it's, it's very obvious. Ignoring mercy annoys God. <laughs> Ignoring mercy annoys God. When we ignore mercy... It upsets God because he paid such a price to provide it. Let's keep reading. And his Lord, moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. So it says that he handed him over to the torturers. Now listen, there's a lot of people that would read this and instantly write it off as not applying to them. Because it says it handed him over to the torturers and some people think, well, that, that has, that's talking about hell. It's talking about eternity. I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm, I'm going to heaven and not hell. And so this is talking about somebody that's going to hell. I know I've already, I'm not going to hell, so this doesn't apply to me. Well, listen, I'm not so sure. I'm not just completely convinced that he's not talking, that he's talking about hell in this story. Now, listen carefully to me so that we don't become somebody that just writes, off, writes this off and says, I can just blow past this whole forgiveness thing. But you think about this. Is he talking about hell? Is he not? One of the reasons I don't think he's talking about hell is because right here in verse 27, he's talking about a debt that there is no imaginable way that it could be forgiven. There's just, there's just no way. It was impossible to forgive To me, this is a picture of salvation. It's a picture of rescue. It's a picture of the forgiveness of sin, the work of Jesus. He's saying, you know, this is God's mercy extended here in this situation. Okay? It's not like we're never going to sin again after salvation. You know, we can't go into all that. You know, 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, that he will be faithful and just to forgive us all our unrighteousness and cleanse us. In the next chapter, verse 2 Verses 1 and 2, he says, My little children, talking about believers, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if you do, because it more than likely will happen, we also have an advocate with the Father or somebody that stands in the gap for us and has already provided a way out. Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation of our sins, not only for ours, but of the whole world. We're going to sin, okay? I want to make sure we're on the same page here. But listen, one of the reasons I'm not sure he's talking about hell is because of that. I think, believe it's a picture of that, that salvation kind of forgiveness. But also, if he's talking about hell, there would be no ability to repay that debt. Look at what he says in verse 34. 
putting, give him over to the torturers, the tormentors. Some of your versions say tormentors. Until the debt is repaid. Listen, I don't, know, I don't know what you believe about hell, but hell is final. When you get to hell, there ain't no repaying to be done. It's final. When I have disobeyed God my whole life, not surrendered to him, not um, put my faith and trust in him, got saved, whatever, at, at the crossover, <laughs> the, the, at death, I'm going to either be with heaven or I'm going to be in hell. That's just a biblical fact. Jesus preached it all the time. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's, it's final. Well, right here he's talking about something that could be repaid. So I don't know that he's talking about hell. So what is the torture? What is the torment? It goes back to that Proverbs eleven seventeen. You can go back and, and look at that again. The merciful man brings upon himself mercy. But the cruel man, the mercy fool, brings upon himself harm. Brings upon himself trouble. Makes his life taboo. Makes his life restricted. He is outed. A great example of that is a famous story that we know in 1 Samuel. King Saul, it says that the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. A lot of people misquote that scripture and they say the evil spirit of the Lord. That's not what it says. An evil spirit from the Lord. An evil spirit that, that the Lord allowed and even sent to torture Saul, who was a mess. <laughs> There's all kinds of stuff going on beyond unforgiveness. God did not do the tormenting. Look what it says there. The slave was handed over to the tormentor. The slave was handed over to the tormentor. God didn't do the tormenting, but he handed the slave over to the tormentor. Now listen to me, you may be thinking, dude, I don't know where you're going with this, but God would not do that. God would not do that. He wouldn't really let that happen. Okay, let's go back. Let's go back to the beatitude here. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Well, is there a flip side of that? Doesn't it seem like there's a flip side to that statement? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. What about the ones that don't receive mercy? Well, Proverbs 11 says that they will bring harm upon themselves. The flip side is the merciless shall receive trouble. It says that he's handed over to the torturer or to the tormentors, your version might say. The message version says that the owner put the screws to him. <laughs> I was like, wow, man. It's kinda... But I don't think it's what we think it means. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of remodeling in my house, and when you put boards together or you do whatever, you can use nails or you can use screws. A lot of times, depending on the project, I really prefer screws. Because when you put that screw in, you can tighten it maybe even a little bit more than you could a nail. And because of the way screws are, the little ridges and all that, it's not as easy to pull apart. Would you guys agree with that? Well, think about that. Think and put the screws to him. Oh, Eugene Peterson, he knows how to <laughs> put the by one perspective. But think about that. Another way of saying that is he pinned him down. He became Binded, he became bound up. He became. He, he put the screws to him and just tightened it in and held him in this place of what torment. Maybe your version says torture. If you're writing things down, I want you to write this down. I heard this this past week. Unforgiveness gives the enemy a hall pass in our lives. Unforgiveness gives the enemy a hall pass in our lives, a hall pass to wreak havoc in our lives. 
to bring about bitterness and anger and jealousy. Any of these sound familiar to us in our lives? Resentment, uh, chaos, confusion, even physical ailments, unforgiveness. I'm telling you, there's a reason why Jesus emphasized this so many different times in so many different ways, not just in the Old Testament, but, basic, but according to the Old Testament as well. This is serious business when we don't just soak up God's mercy and then pour it out upon others. He's super serious about it because this is the essence of who he is. He is mercy. There was Melissa and I when um, several years ago, there was an, an older couple that really hurt us in the church. Imagine that. But they just, they went all out. They didn't hold anything back. This particular lady had a list of offenses against me that were this long, you know. And I remember the list, and I don't remember half of the offenses. But listen, this lady basically and her husband basically attacked us with these offenses. And you did this to me, and you said this to me, taking most of it out of context. And, and a lot of it just out of, uh, yes, I did say that, but that's not what I meant kept going through the list, which Scripture says, um, um, do not keep account of wrongs. Love doesn't do that. Love doesn't keep account of wrongs. Over and over and over, just just going on. And and they heard us. They were doing this and this, and and, and it's just crazy stuff. And I want to tell you something. It hurt to be be accused and, and attacked like that, and this lady didn't extend any mercy. She was... And that, and towards me and towards others, a mercy fool. Let me tell you something. This lady, this lady I, had, I believe, um, was in torment. She was miserable. She was a miserable lady. Bitter resentment, anger, jealousy, chaotic. She had physical ailments, you guys. Always something. During that season, the big ailment in her life was MS. I was really good friends with her grandson, very good friends, knew him. This guy knew me very, very, very well. And he knew his grandparents very, very, very well. And one time we got together, and he's like, man, I don't know what's going on, but my grandparents hate you. Dude, sounded like to me, you just said hate. (laughs) That's what I said, because that is like a four-letter word. Yes. My grandparents hate you. And he did it like that. And with that tone, everything, I was just like, oh, my gosh. And I could feel it's like a the Sith Lord. You know what I mean? I just wanted Yoda. Yoda, please come. Obi-Wan, you're my only hope, you know. They hate you. It's like, man, what happened? I told him. He's like, yeah, that sounds like my grandma. He said, you know what? My grandma has a black hole of unforgiveness in her heart. He knows his grandma. And not just a black hole that I created. This is a black hole that went on way beyond my relationship. It's a black hole of unforgiveness in her heart. And I grieved and I had pity. And my wife and I did extend mercy and forgiveness. And we walked, I believe, in a godly way in that relationship. Just to kind of sum up this morning, how do you not become a mercy fool? How do you not become a mercy fool? And you know what? There's probably multiple ways. 
And as I was thinking this morning, you know, I'm going to give two that have helped me. One is that forgiveness takes honesty. It takes honesty. Whether you need to receive forgiveness or extend forgiveness, you've got to be honest about it. If someone hurts you, be honest about it. Tell them. Tell someone. Quit saying, no, man, I mean, it was all right. I mean, yeah, I was, I was kind of ticked, but I mean, it's all good. We're all good. Don't do that. You're not allowing yourself to go through the process of forgiving. It's not all good, especially if you are in torment, if you're experiencing these things. And maybe you don't realize you are, but now today you're going to be responsible for something that you now know. And you have to deal and you have to be honest. Yeah, you know what? That did hurt me. And I'm hurt. I don't want to, but I, I want to forgive. Well, be honest about the fact that you were hurt. And if you need to forgive someone else, you know what I mean? Be honest. Be honest with them. You know what? I, you hurt me. I hurt you. Just be honest about it. We, we keep it closed up and I just, I'm, I'm just going to buck it up. I, God doesn't want us to buck it up. He wants us to get free. For the screws to come out. To dismiss the tormentor. All right, that's good. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. And for the sake of being a good preacher to you, the next one rhymes. (laughs) Forgiveness takes honesty and forgiveness takes amnesty. Amnesty is one of those political words But at the core of the meaning of this word, amnesty, it means a formal and final act of liberating slash releasing someone. Be honest about what's up. Be honest. And then release these people. Forgive. And not forgive long enough to make them feel better about it and then pull them back. I got you back out. You know. No, it's... It's, it's final. It's formal. In other words, I, I, am, I am applying the blood of Jesus here. This is, this is formal. This isn't just, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, no, maybe. No, this is it. This is the formal thing here. This is amnesty towards that person or persons or organization or whatever. And it's final. It's done. If you release those who hurt you, you will be released. Amen? But according to Scripture, if you do not, you will stay bound up and tormented. Verse 34 said that he handed them over to the torturers until the debt was paid. I thought we were talking about a debt that can't be paid. Listen, there is a way that it can be paid. Colossians 2 verse uh, 14 says, God has canceled out their certificate of debt. He's canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Now, that's true of our sin, our guilt, and our shame, and all the stuff that we've maybe done that would offend God. But listen, this is also true for anything that someone has done towards you. It's been nailed to the cross. A way to forgive has been provided. A way for that deep, dark, hurtful, offensive debt done to you or you done to others or whatever. There's a way for it to be wiped off. There is a way to send the tormentor on his way. Just stand with me.